Yeah, that's um, I'm I'm interested to see where uh, Florence Pugh goes because Pugh is going the same route that Micah Monroe went, except where whereas Monroe attached herself to a mega franchise that had very much a high probability of failing. Um, Pugh attached herself to a Marvel property, and it's not only is it a Marvel property, it's Black Widow, um, hmm. which would be what Marvel's second female-led film, right? Second. Um, I mean, for with yeah. Captain Marvel, yeah, Captain Marvel was its first. There hasn't been another one since, right? I mean, Captain Marvel yeah. came out eight months ago or something. It feels like it came out eight years ago at this point, but who cares? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Real Talk, your one-stop shop for all the latest news, trailers, and films out of Hollywood. I'm your host, uh, Joseph Kathman, fresh off of all of my trips and like putting 5,000 miles on my soul since the last time we uh, we spoke to you, but uh, I am also joined by the uh, slightly above average Peter Kosanovich. I guess I'm not a jerk this week. <laughs> not yet, at least. Not we, yet. Keyword there. Yeah. Keywords, not yet. We we are not joined by our moderator, Julie, so uh, hopefully uh, we uh, we keep things rather cordial this week on uh, on the episode. So, uh, uh, gentlemen's agreement, Peter, uh, I appreciate you. No promises. <laughs> okay. We both went in, we both went in wildly different directions right there. <laughs> You're like, let's be polite. And I'm like, nah, let's be nah. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about since uh, it's been three weeks since uh, we, we recorded. And uh, we're going to try and get through it as quickly as possible. Uh, first off, though, a uh, little programming note. We will not be here next week. But instead, we're going to have something even better uh, we will be we will be having a very special interview this week uh, with Diane Paragas, who is the director of the uh, the film Yellow Rose, um, which we are very excited to have her on our little show here, our little podcast. Uh, we will hopefully be releasing that at some point this week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, um, so for you to enjoy. Uh, and that will have to hold you over because, once again, we will not be here next week because I will be in L.A. Plus, in the States, it's Labor Day weekend, and I'm sure Julie will be busy as well. So two-thirds of us would be gone, and I'm sure no one wants to listen to Peter for, talk for an hour. So Rude. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, we're that's very... fair. I don't. I don't even want to listen to me talk for an hour, so it's fine. <laughs> Plus, then that would mean you'd have to edit the episode as well, which uh, I'm pretty sure that's where that would end. <laughs> uh, we're back. Yep, yep. You you started it. We're we're on we're on the uh, we're on the argument train. Uh, <laughs> I'm not arguing with that one. Yeah, fair. Uh, but yes, we're very we're very excited to have uh, Diane Paragas on our little show. Uh, we will be talking to her about her upbringing where where she got or how she got to where she is now we'll be talking to her about the film yellow rose uh which stars a dreamer trying to make it as a uh, country music star in the south uh which sounds very interesting i will be watching it this evening uh we record our podcast on sunday to date this really uh 
really overtly date. Uh, we record on Sunday. I will be watching it tonight, and we will be talking to Diane on Tuesday. So, yeah, we'll just date the whole thing. Why not? Uh, we yeah. we don't we don't follow any rules here. <laughs> uh, uh, of course. No. Well, and 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 for anyone who's who's listening and, and like is interested in, in in more about the movie and more about like definitely tune in and listen to the interview. But the the film also stars. Um, uh, Evan Oblazada, who is currently on Broadway in in Hades Town, the Tony Award winning best musical Hades Town, um, and then also has uh, Lea Salonga, who, if I'm not mistaken, won a Tony for lead actress a number of years ago um, in Miss Saigon uh, on Broadway, and then she is also very well known for being the singing voices of Princess Jasmine and Mulan in the animated Disney films in the hey. 90s. I, I mean, the trailer, we talked about it on this show uh, a couple weeks back or a couple episodes back. Uh, trailer looked great, very topical for 2019, and um, we're very thrilled to have the opportunity to be able to talk to her and um, find more, uh, learn more about her and her upbringing and about the film and about how she got who, who's in it, um, and, you know, get into the nitty gritty. So stay tuned for that. But this week... Uh, we will be talking about trailers. We'll talk about uh, a couple of films and a series from Peter, and then we've got a whole boatload of news to catch up on. Uh, so first things first, trailers got a lot, obviously, but we'll just highlight some of the some of the big ones, some of the ones that we saw. Um, there's plenty more, but yeah, check these out. We've got trailers out of D23, the Disney uh, conference that we will be talking about more uh, in the news portion, but The Mandalorian was the big one to come out. Uh, we've also got trailers for uh, Bombshell, Honey Boy, Parasite. Gotta be sure to uh, check out the Parasite trailer, because or or don't, just go see Parasite, because it's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that, that is, Parasite is the film from Bong Joon-ho. It won the Palme d'Or in, yeah, in France. Yeah, and we've discussed it uh, on this pod already, and it's great. And you probably shouldn't watch the trailer. You should just go watch the film. Uh, we've also got trailers for The Kill Team, Last Christmas. Uh, Credit Gerwig's first trailer for Little Women came out, and I'm so excited. Uh, the Morning Show, another D23 trailer, uh, Lady and the Tramp. Uh, Jexy, The Report, Underwater, Night Hunter, uh, Dolomite Is My Name, and then finally we got a brief teaser for El Camino, which is a, I guess it is in the, tr it's in the title, El Camino, a Breaking Bad film, right? They're doing that thing to like really overtly tell they're, you they're, that it's, that it's yeah, a Yeah, they're Breaking really Bad. selling it as a Breaking yeah. Bad property. Yeah, yeah, and the trailer was very much that too because it's like the, that. I guess now I'm going to talk about the El Camino trailer, but uh, it was just a quick little like police interrogation sequence, and it's with people that you've never seen before, and you're like, well, what's going on? And then at the very end, they're like, the guy is like, there's no way I'm going to tell you about Jesse Pinkman, and it's like, oh, okay. And then they, you get the El Camino, a Breaking Bad title card, just to make sure that you know that it's a Breaking Bad uh, property. I didn't think it was. Well, all, and I interestingly, didn't... well, interestingly for that one, it, it's coming. It's a that that's a, that's a Netflix property, so it's not coming on AMC, the network that did um, Breaking that, Bad yeah. or any other studio. It's coming on Netflix. So I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I, I think that is also. Like, I would say uh, Breaking Bad is like 
was the original binge watch show on Netflix. Like it started even before like it, it made Netflix the behemoth or like it started the upwards traje- trajectory of Netflix becoming a behemoth that the behemoth that it is today. So that, that is true. And, ne- and Netflix was also very par- like integral in, in driving Breaking Bad because like yeah. the first couple of seasons kind of had middling numbers. And then Netflix was like, yo, you can binge this entire series. And people just jumped on it then. And so the last like three or four seasons, as opposed to the first couple. Oh, thanks, Max. The, Max the, agrees. The, the last three or four seasons were like the, the viewership just skyrocketed um, after everyone had caught up on, on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that it's a Netflix property. That comes out uh, October 11th. I did not think the trailer itself was very good, but that's just me. Um, I, I hope they don't like try to make you be make you not forget every four seconds that this is you're watching something that's a part of the Breaking Bad uh, world. But you know, that's just hopefully it's just the first the the first drop, the first reveal. Like, hey, we're gonna wave and say this is uh, this is a Breaking Bad property. Did you know this was a Breaking Bad property? I bet you didn't know this was a Breaking Bad property. Hey guys, this is a Breaking Bad property. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> uh, that's about as fast as I can say that. The trailer that I wanted to t- actually talk about was uh, Honey Boy, which is the new Shia LaBeouf film. Uh, I just saw Peanut Butter Falcon, which we will be talking about in a little bit. Uh, Shia LaBeouf had two uh, properties at Sundance uh, this year, Honey Boy and Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, and both were received pretty well. Uh, of the two, Honey Boy... From what I heard, was the more um, I don't want to say creative, but the the less um, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Peter, help me out. Um, traditional. Yeah, there you go. That works. Yeah, it was the less. It was the less traditional. I was trying to think of a more eloquent word than that, but that that works. <laughs> uh, less, yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The less the less traditional of the two was Honey Boy. Um, and the first trailer for Honey Boy is definitely they lean into that. Uh, it's it's very outlandish, very um, surreal. And uh, Shia LaBeouf plays his uh, plays his own father, and got uh, Noah got two of the biggest like young stars in Hollywood to play himself, uh, which are Noah Jupe and Lucas Hedges. Um, they play two different age groups or whatever of of the character's name is Otis, but it's supposed to be Shia um, or, or Shia's childhood character or persona. Um, so very excited to see that. Uh, we'll be talking about Peanut, Peanut Butter Falcon in a little bit, but if Shia's performance in Peanut Butter Falcon is any indication of what his performance in Honey Boy is going to be like, I'm very very excited. Uh, but enough from me, Peter. Uh, what which uh, of these are you most hyped about? Uh, I, I'm also hyped about Honey Boy. Um, that I mean, the idea of Shia Buff playing his own father, even even if it's like semi fictionalized, that that's just kind of crazy to me. Like that's that's something. Um, but the other trailer that that really got me was uh for The Mandalorian, which only just came out like in the past two three days um at d23 and this like if you pay attention you, you like everyone knows that joe and i have very different opinions on certain uh entries into the star wars franchise but we both agree that the mandalorian trailer looks excellent and it looks like the 
best thing coming out of Star Wars currently. Um, and it's it this this is this is the property I was waiting for. Like it's it for, for me, it felt much more like Rogue One. Um, uh, yeah, I got and, I got those vibes too, for sure. Yeah, so like not necessarily more grounded and gritty because like I hate. I kind of hate those words a little bit at this point. Um, but, like, it, it does look a little more grounded, and it does look a little more kind of, uh, like, war-driven. You're following, like, this one character and this one crew, and uh, it, it looks like it's going to look at kind of complicated questions of, like, morality that involve, that kind of go into bounty hunting, sort of. And it, it looks really interesting. I'm hoping they broach some really unique parts of the, uh, of, um, of, like, Star Wars lore um, with it. Uh, so that, that, it looks really interesting. I'm really excited for it. Um, that was pretty much the biggest highlight coming out of D23, um, or at least things that came out of D23 and that were also made public because there were there were a couple like behind the scenes things that only people there were were privy to see. Um, but you know, the uh, the Mandalorian stars uh, Pedro Pascal, Gina uh, Gina Carano, uh, Carl Weathers, and Giancarlo Esposito. So it's got a great cast. It's got a good trailer, and I'm hyped for it. Yeah, I. Um... I saw it and I was like, "Oh crap!" There goes I'm I'm getting I'm getting Disney Plus. I, I, I have to. I can't I can't help myself. It looked great. Um, the, the Supreme of Lord Mouse is taking your money. Yeah, yeah, he is again. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, we'll jump into the films. We don't have a main review this week, uh, in part because the big film to come out this week was Angel Has Fallen which I am I am not going to see because Morgan Freeman is a central part of it. And Morgan Freeman was one of the many people that uh, should have been taken down by the Me Too movement because he had multiple, 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 multiple pe- people accuse him of sexual harassment and being an overall bad person. Um, and he is prominently and shamelessly featured in Angel Has Fallen, so I am not going to go see it. Uh, I'm sure Peter feels the same way. Uh, I, I I feel I feel similar, but but slightly different. Um, I I think he married his niece or something, and that's just a little weird to me. Yeah, Morgan Freeman um, is overall a weird dude. Well, um, so I, I want I want to quickly mention one other thing though about Angelus Fallen, just because I thought it was so funny. Um, I, I think I was scrolling on Twitter or somewhere, and someone essentially said that Gerard Butler is like, like. Uh, <laughs> It was the effect of Gerard Butler is the guy that's keeping Redbox alive. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like there, it was like ah, there's nothing more. There, there's no feeling more than like seeing Gerard Butler on on a movie and realizing I'll see that in a Redbox very soon. Just like yeah, Gerard Butler is I, just like living off off Redbox movies, and it's hysterical to me because I hadn't really connected that until I saw whatever like it was a tweet or social media something, and I was like. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, I don't that's surprisingly I, accurate. I don't understand how this franchise is continuing. Like, all right, people could sit here and 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 clamor or complain about like the Fast and Furious franchise making as much money as it does, and like people being like, "Oh, it's stupid," oh, blah blah blah, whatever. But like, but for the most part, those are like objectively like, good. Yeah, or, like, like they're well made. They're this, they're well this made. Looks well like executed. a B action movie. Yeah, I start. I tried to watch London Has Fallen. When I heard when I heard that another film was coming out, I like sat down like, okay, I'm gonna try and watch this film and just see like why it's still this franchise is still a thing. And I made it like 20 minutes in. I can't do it. I I I had paid money to watch it. I, I paid like five bucks or something on YouTube 
to like rent it or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I just threw five dollars at this film. They're they're the ones getting the last laugh, but it's just not worth my time. It was just so it's poorly made. It was poorly made. The first film was a joke. I mean, it was also just not well made and way too serious uh, for its ridiculous subject matter. And London Has Fallen became even more serious to the point that it was unwatchable. Um, and like the trailers for Angel Has Fallen just looked ridiculous. It looked like uh, Shooter, except it's 2019. I kind of, I kind of feel like <laughs> there's... I, I kind of feel like Gerard Butler is like doing a really bad remake of Will Smith's career, like 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 uh, like like yeah. London has fallen, Angels fallen, like whatever the first one was, I can't even remember, but like it feels very like oh we're trying to ca- recapture that magic of Independence Day, but it didn't work, and then and then it's it's like uh, what was that other thing he did? Um, uh, Will Smith. No, no, no. Uh, Gerard, Butler. Gerard Butler. He was in, he, going back a little bit. He was in Gamer, which is a film that was very much underappreciated, and he was very good in. Um, but no, that like I, yeah, that was that I, was like. I feel 10 like I watch ago. his movies, and I feel like I'm just watching bad remakes of Will Smith movies from like the '90s and early 2000s, and I like I kind of think it's hilarious. Yeah. Den of like, Thieves, oh, Hunter oh, Gerard, Killer. You're better than that. Yeah, Geostorm. All, Gods of Egypt. All of these are great uh, uh, made for ne- made for Redbox films. <laughs> for real, though. <laughs> anyway, that was a whole aside. That that was like five minutes of of complaining about a film that neither of us saw or will see. An uh, Angel's Fallen. Let's talk about a film that was actually kind of good. Um, let's talk about uh, Peanut Butter Falcon here first, and then and then Peter, I'll kick it over to you. Um, cool. I had the chance to see an advanced screening of uh peanut butter falcon uh this past week uh it came out it went wide this weekend so we got it like four days in advance uh but it was really cool because afterwards we got a q a with one of the producers of the film actually the original producer uh david thies uh he's a cincinnati native um which is really cool and he kind of got to talk about how the film was made and it apparently had was one of those film one of those indie films that had like a five or six year production cycle um but it stars uh shia labeouf dakota johnson and it introduces uh zach zach goat goat sagan i think how you say his name um and it's a wonderful for the most part wonderful film i should preface that um shia labeouf's performance is incredible uh, he is really intense, really genuine, really, um, I mean, v- very down to earth and human. And I mean, he's he's on a freaking roll uh, over the last five years or so. Uh, ever since American Honey, um, he he picks and chooses his projects and uh, oh, not American Honey. Um, what was the other one? Well, he was in another film. Um, I can't remember, but, um, uh, Nymphomaniac one and two. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I actually did. I actually did watch that. The first Nymphomaniac. I didn't watch the second one. Um, and, but yeah, he's, he, he's really, he's a super creative type. And, and I feel like people remember him from Transformers or from just do it. And from that, like the green screen speech, 
um, or getting arrested for for Trump po- Trump protests. Um, but he really is like creating this little career for himself that as, as a very underrated, underappreciated actor um, and how he approaches uh, Zach, which is Zach Goatsagan's character, how, how Tyler uh, approaches Zach is phenomenal. Um, so this film, it kind of was like the tale of two halves. Um, so for those that don't know, the Peanut Butter Falcon is kind of like a, a road trip film uh, when Zach runs away from the senior living home that he's staying at. Uh, Zach has the character well, and the real life actor has Down syndrome and uh, like no one wants to take care of him. So he gets set to a senior living center uh, under the care of Dakota Johnson uh, plays uh, the one of the caretakers at this at this living center, uh, and he runs away and runs into Shia LaBeouf, and they, you know, see the world essentially in the bayou of Louisiana. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure that most of this film takes place on the Mississippi Bayou, Mississippi River Bayou, um, and they, um, like the first half when he's when Zach is in the senior living center, uh, the there was this very like how they treated him was a little uncomfortable. Um, there there seemed to be some points where the film was like where you were meant to laugh at Zach Gotsagan and his character, and mm. uh, yeah. And and like I laughed once or twice, and the people in the in the theater, which the people there were a lot of people in the theater that were there, either with people with de- developmental disabilities or like you know they most of the people in that room that I watched this film in were around, either brought or had or have experienced or have been associated with people with Down syndrome. Like in theory, they should know that room should know how to approach people with developmental disabilities, which is to not highlight that, to not make that the focal point of their personality. And it's like, you know, they need to get something. They, they're adults, they're human beings. Like they can, you know, they, you need a drink of water. You go, go get a drink of water. You could do it. You're like, you know, like we're just, we're not babying. We're not supposed to baby people with developmental disabilities, but still, you know, when like in the peanut butter falcon he has this wrestling match like they're still like hey we're gonna try and make sure that he wins the wrestling match because we're not assholes like (laughs) to pardon my french but yeah like there's just there's a line there and early on the film does not ride that line very well and then there's a whole long sequence where um zach goatsagan's character is in his underwear uh, and it's because he needs to break out and he he has to oil himself up to break out uh, like to go to squeeze through these bars and then for a solid like 15 minutes he's only wearing his underwear which was uncomfortable it's it's very demeaning to have a character with developmental disabilities like you know wearing only his underwear and it's white underwear like it's the very stereotypical like yeah you know, the the from like what you'd see like 
50 years ago, the like white uh, boxer, not boxer briefs, but um, the other kind of underwear that I now blanking on the name. Um, it's not important. But but when he finally runs into uh, into Tyler, which is Shia LaBeouf's character, uh, the film changes almost instantaneously. Um, how Tyler treats Zach is incredible, and it's exactly how. Like I, I just I wish they had treated Zach like that the entire film, and granted it's only like they meet like 20 minutes in it's not like it, i mean this is a 90 minute film it's not like they meet like you know an hour into the film or something um it's still relatively early on but it just that those first 20 minutes i was very uncomfortable and i'm sitting here like kind of sort of laughing at when we're supposed to laugh at Zach, and like the rest of the room is laughing you know having a grand old time and i'm like and i i had come with a friend who used to work for a nonprofit um, that uh, works with uh, that a nonprofit whose mission was to integrate people with developmental disabilities into the community? Um, so she's very familiar with this subject, and I kind of was like looking at her to get kind of gauge her reaction, and she was just she was like stone cold, like for the, for the first twenty minutes, just like like I mean, I felt like she was like uh, she was there was some animosity uh at, from her geared towards the film and when tyler's character came in when shia labeouf came in it changed and i i really felt like from like then we we were both like okay this is now we got a film now we got how how a film should approach its character uh how it should approach zach a character with with a developmental disability at one point, uh, Tyler, like, at one point, Zach reveals to Tyler, like, hey, I have a developmental disability. Like, he says that to Tyler. And Tyler turns around and is like, I don't care. Keep up or I'm leaving you behind. And someone in the theater gasped. Like, there was an audible gasp when they said that. I had just about stood up and clapped. Because I was like, yes, this is... That was my favorite line in the whole film. Like, yes, you're treating this person like a human being. Like, I, cause, cause Tyler had his own issues. Like, he was on the run or something from, from some people that wanted to hurt him. So it's like, so Tyler doesn't have time to, to baby this guy and, and he shouldn't be babied. And Tyler recognized that. And he was like, I don't care. You know, I don't care if you're, you're rocking on one leg. Like, keep up or I'm leaving you behind. Like, it was awesome. It was a great line. And when uh, Eleanor entered the picture later on in the film, um, uh, Tyler also called out how Eleanor was babying, um, babying Zach uh, early on when they like first met up again and um, like on the road or whatever. And that was my friend's favorite line, where he kind of where Tyler called out Eleanor and how she was treating Zach because it was the same thing. It's like. This is a human being. They are very capable of getting their own water. Like you don't have to act like they're a five-year-old kid. Like this is a grown, grown-ass man. Like they can, they can do that. Um, and and you know, Eleanor's being all like, you know, have you have you had your fruit today? Have you have you eaten? Have you have you just drank some water? Like you know, like acting like a very 
like a mom talking down to a four year old or like, you know, like, or like how I would talk to my dog. Um, and Tyler called him out, called her out on that. And it was great. It was a great moment. Um, and exactly how a film in Hollywood should treat touchy subjects. Like we shouldn't treat it like how I picked on this in my review, uh, when we had our first openly gay character in a Marvel film and it's freaking Joe Russo playing a guy that's like and it's meant to be this like big triumphant moment but it's like completely drawing attention to itself and like hey like like the second that scene in in uh in uh endgame started and you see joe russo like starting to talk you're like oh like you know something's about to happen and then it's like this big reveal but it's just it just drew so much attention to itself and it was so like I just I wish we could reach a point with all of these touchy subjects where we you don't feel the need to draw the attention directly right. to it like it just happens naturally exactly exactly thank you and that's how Tyler treated Zach and that was great and Tyler was great Eleanor Dakota Johnson's uh, character uh, was a very stereotypical female lead um, the story because like the story itself is not all that out there it's it's very it's it's a very standard story uh very uh cookie cookie cutter uh road road trip road trek buddy comedy kind of thing and dakota johnson of course has to fall for shia labeouf uh because lo and behold we can't have our one female character in the film be a strong independent woman she has to uh she has to fall for the man um and that was very forced, but overall, I mean, I had a good time. Uh, very much like like I just harped on. Very much enjoyed how Tyler treated Zach, and the jokes were were pretty good after the first twenty minutes. After the uncomfortable, are we are we meant to be laughing at Zach? Um, the the scenes where Tyler and Zach bonded were were excellent, um, and uh the when they find when they get to the wrestler of the film uh it's played by thomas he's played by thomas hayden church and he's great um the editing was great that uh john john bernthal is also in this film and his he's just in these like flashbacks and they were very uh engaging flashbacks i really enjoyed them um so i think overall i get this like i'd say like a six and a half uh out out of ten um, maybe a seven. Like I'm very torn between six and a half and a seven, um, but I I don't think it's going to be a film that that stays um, in our conscious. Like I don't think I I don't see this being the vehicle that that gets a lot of awards attention. I hope it does because David Dice uh, is being with the Cincinnati Connections. Yeah, that would be great to see, uh, but. I don't know. I just, I, I really, I, I think I will not be alone in questioning how this film treated Zach in its first 20 or so minutes. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my spiel on it. Uh, that's, that, that review is going to be a lot longer than scary stories to tell in the dark. But first, Peter, uh, you've got a show that you want to talk about, don't you? Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about both of them or just one? Oh, go for it. Do it. Okay. Do the thing. Cool. So <laughs> do the thing. Uh, so the first, the so the first show, it's it's just kind of a, a kind of a recap of a show that I previously mentioned. Um, I think on our last episode, 
Uh, I was mentioning Infinity War. Uh, no, not Infinity War. <laughs> wrong movie. Um, I was mentioning Infinity Train, which was a limited series, uh, animated series on Cartoon Network. And uh, when I talked about it a few weeks ago, they had just put out the first, like just the one uh, first episode. Um, and so that's all I had to go on. And uh, then that week they put out the entire thing. So I've seen the entire thing now. And it is, it, it's really good. It's, 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 really, it's really creative and unique. And um, uh, th- this, this girl Tulip gets stuck on a train that appears to go for like forever and she's trying to figure out how to get off it and, and how to get to the conductor's cart so that um uh so so that they can stop the train and let her off but it 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 deals a lot with kind of running away from things in your life or hiding from uh hiding from from difficult situations or or confronting difficult situations when it's more appropriate and um it's and and also accepting loss. Um, it, it's it's a really unique, um, very introspective series that I I would definitely recommend. It's only it's only ten episodes. Each episode's like fifteen minutes. You can get through it really quickly. Um, I, I definitely recommend Infinity Train. It was a very very good unique series. Um, and so then the other one is uh, Young Justice Outsiders. So for any DC Comics fans or DC animated TV series fans, the Young Justice. Uh, first premiered back in like 2010 or something like that and it was kind of on and off on and off for like three years before being finally canceled after two seasons in um in 2013 or 2012 um no 2013 yeah and it 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 was such a good series like it it it's the first season started good and and kind of got more mature slowly and then the second season decided they were going to do a five-year time jump so all of a sudden all the characters are five years older and the storyline is much more mature and uh approaching way more complex themes and that's kind of where it it lost um maybe not as much the audience but like that that's kind of where it really separated itself from being like oh no this is this is this is a cartoon that is kind of a little more intended for adults than than for kids um and it's got canceled um not because it wasn't good but because it didn't get good toy sales that's actually a real thing i hate it um but due to fan demand and fan petitions and like really great streaming numbers on netflix um DC brought it back on their on their streaming service DC Universe um and for a third season it's called Young Justice Outsiders and it's it's so good um the first half of the, of the series aired in the fall and then the second half um has been airing since I, I, since sometime in July um and the final 3 episodes air uh like 2 days from now I think on Tuesday um and it it's 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 so good it it's taking really complex uh themes and then combining a lot of really complex story arcs from various dc comics and and integrating them all together very very seamlessly and it's introducing new characters and um it's it's a really amazingly inclusive series so one of the main characters of the season is a uh, a girl named halo um but Halo identify, but and and Halo is um is a, a Muslim character um who identifies as non-binary, um and then one of the other characters is uh, pansexual. And when when the directors have or when the show showrunners have been asked about on Twitter, 
they're like just very open like nope yep that that person is pansexual um like we're not done with their journey yet um or or this character is like they're they're being very purposefully inclusive but it's not like they're forcing it down your like in the way that joe was kind of talking about peanut butter falcon where like they're drawing specific attention to it it just it feels much more naturalness while you can also tell that it it is kind of planned in a way to be more inclusive but they're not drawing um like very specific attention to it it's just it's just happening and it's yeah very unique and wonderful to watch and it's it's doing all this in in an animated show which most people would think is for kids no this is definitely a show for for like teenagers through adults like it's 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 really good it's complex it's it's wonderful and inclusive and very very smart i definitely recommend it it's one of the best series currently on tv or being aired because like it's 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 streaming (laughs) that's uh that's a bold statement right there uh don't forget i i just watched euphoria a couple uh uh, a couple weeks ago, which is still resonated with me. Like where we, I could still talk about Euphoria today, and I I watched the last <laughs> episode like four weeks ago. Uh, well, I mean, th- this show also like it, it's taking really complex DC storylines and and weaving them together. So I mean, like it's taking some of the biggest story arcs that like should not like 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 it it, it took um like if anyone's DC comics. A, a DC comic fan. It, it it's taken the storylines from uh, the Court of Owls and uh, the Judas Contract and the oh crap, what is that one um, with Dark Side? Uh, the Anti Life Equation. Three huge, absolutely monstrous story arcs from DC Comics, and it's it's combined all of them like brilliantly, and it, it it's. I have no idea how they did it, but they did it. And then the, the themes are really complex. So they're exploring, uh, they're exploring propaganda and media censorship and kind of the politics of, of kind of heroism. So like if, if something like the justice league is being overseen or, or like overwatched by the UN and they need UN permission before they can act and be heroic, kind of like the, kind of like the way that um, Captain America's civil war um, addressed it. Like if the heroes, have some sort of oversight and and they're being prevented from doing what made them heroes before how how effective are they being really and so it, it's exploring all of these things in a show and it's just it, it's while it's also exploring this season is very heavily focused on human trafficking um so it's it's taking really complex adult themes and doing them really really intelligently um yeah i i stand by that statement of it's one of the best tv shows currently on i, I stand by that <laughs> All right. Well, fair, fair enough. Uh, anyway, well, we we are we are going way over time, and there's only two of us. <laughs> uh, I will just and very we, quick. We thought that wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Because uh, we still got a ton of news to talk about. But very quickly, I also saw uh, scary Tor- scary stories to tell in the dark, uh, which was uh, produced by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, and you were disappointed. I was disappointed. Yep. Uh, it is. It's fine. That's basically the review. It's fine, um, which I was hoping for more. Uh, the monsters are very creative. How the monsters come to be is very creative. Uh, the but the characters themselves were very bland, very meh, very boring, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, I don't know if it was because they put them in like early nineteen sixties and had them be like 
like young teenagers in nineteen in like nineteen sixty two or nineteen sixty five or something, and it's just like very hard to relate to them or or what. I don't I don't really know why the characters were bad. I don't mean I don't I don't want to pick on the actors. I don't think I mean they were fine. It's just the characters didn't really have any sort of depth to them whatsoever. Um and I kind of feel like you need some depth in your characters to in in a horror film where you're like supposed to care about them as they get plucked off one by one or or you know have things supernatural creepy things happen to them. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just I guess I think of it and uh, how dynamic those characters are. Uh, the Losers Club. Um, I mean, so yeah, I could just rather, like start thinking about the losers club and and each of the uh individual members of it uh because they were much more interesting um individually and as a unit than the people in scary stories to tell in the dark were uh but the but the monsters were creative they looked cool they were very guillermo del toro-esque uh <laughs> very um but yeah i mean it was it's just one he of those does have a wonderful mind for that yeah yeah he does have yeah, I would have loved to have been in those uh, storyboarding discussions and and see the original uh, the original boards for the, these monsters because I'm sure they uh, they were pretty wild. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that would be the primary reason to watch this film is to watch uh, watch creepy looking monsters be creepy. Um, there's not a whole lot else going on. Um, so, like I said, it's fine. It's five out of ten. It's fine. Uh, all right, so yeah, now to talk about all of the news uh, from the last three weeks. There's a lot, so we're just going to highlight this stuff, and then we'll maybe talk about a couple of them. Uh, f- I-, I would say the biggest piece of news would be Annapurna Pictures uh, is reportedly uh, reportedly facing Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, things are not looking good over there, which is unfortunate because they are a wonderful studio uh, that has made a lot of great films over the years. Um also, I almost just jumped in forgetting that you just said, we'll talk about them after. Yeah, right. I know. We're not going to be able to like really go into depth on a lot of this stuff. Uh, but anyway, moving on. Uh, BAFTA introduced a casting award uh, to commemorate the casting directors of films, which is great. Um, Game of Thrones showrunners strike overall deal with Netflix. It's a huge deal, and we do not care. Uh, not at all. Not in the slightest. Uh, Disney announced a killer bundle for Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus coming in at $12.99 a month, uh, which is unbelievable, and they're going to make so much money. It's stupid. Um, Disney Plus is arriving to Canada in in the fall, which is also a big deal because Canada doesn't have any streaming platforms uh, or hardly any streaming platforms. They pick and choose very selectively, and they're adding Disney Plus, so that's a big deal. Um, let's see, uh, The Kitchen, uh, unfortunately bombed and was, that's very unfortunate as the film starring Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish and Elizabeth Moss. Uh, it came out like a week or two ago. I kind of want to see it, but I think it's basically already out of theaters and it's only been like two weeks. Uh, but it was a huge bomb. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get the best critic reception and there was very little uh, marketing behind it. Uh, so it was hard to kind of 
Like it was, it, it just, it, it, it never, it was never given a chance to succeed, but it bombed. And uh, I just, I'm afraid that that studios are going to refer to it when they're looking at giving women the chance to make more films, which would be very stupid. But I just I either see that, that or they'll look at that to be like, no, comic book properties are dying. Yeah, no, or that. It's just, a, it's just a weird comic book property. Yeah. Um, let's see. Some D23 news. Uh, Disney's big convention. Um, let's see. We'll try and hit on all this at once. Um, so Pixar uh, announced that it's got a film upcoming next year called Soul that is going to lead uh, or star Jamie Foxx, which happens to somehow, like 25 years later, be the first film Pixar has ever made with a black lead. Um, and it's Jamie Foxx who's like, you might as well have that first black lead be Will Smith. A very safe selection. Uh, but still, they started it. You know, we got you got to start somewhere. Like, so that's great. Um, let's see. Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, uh, is shaming, publicly shaming 20th Century Fox for its poor quarterly earnings while also uh, members of their board is get, they're getting worried about uh, the new uh, Taika Waititi project, Jojo Rabbit, being too radical or too, uh, yeah, too outside the mainstream for Disney because they have a brand that they're trying to maintain. So that's all great. Um, uh, let's see. Obi-Wan Kenobi series was confirmed for Disney+. Plus with Ewan McGregor uh, returning which or to reprise his role uh, as Obi-Wan, which is pretty exciting. Uh, it does not happen very... doesn't happen overnight to get uh, Ewan McGregor to sign on to something like that. So I'm sure he's getting paid a kajillion dollars to, to play, uh, to reprise the role. Um, well, he of, also really loved that role, so I don't think it took that much. You don't think so? I, I feel like Ewan McGregor is one of those people that like he's like a, he's a Natalie Portman type that like he doesn't I, like I to. This, I think it, this is a property he's actually been pushing for for a long time. Like oh, okay. this this project like this or or an Obi Wan movie has been rumored for like seven plus years. Like it, it's been rumored for a while because he likes the character and everyone wants him back because like he was the best thing to come out of the prequels. Yeah, for sure. Um Okay, I'll trust your I'll trust your opinion on that because I was just searching my feelings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your feelings are wrong. Oh, <laughs> fine, fine. Don't don't uh, commemorate my my uh, Star Wars reference there, but that's fine. That's cool. It's fine. Um, negative negative news, of course. There was the whole Disney Sony split Spider Man. Everyone on the planet's already heard about this, so we're not going to talk about it. Um, but it happened, and. Uh, the other negative news uh, right now is uh, Disney's live-action Mulan uh, has been kind of, kind of high, kind of hijacked, kind of not um, by China uh, with the the protests in Hong Kong. Um, I, I we're gonna we're gonna now I'm gonna break out of this and talk a little bit about this for a second, Peter, and correct me if I'm wrong. But the lead of Mulan, which is uh, Crystal Yafalu, um, she said something that where she kind of sort of sided with China in these protests. And then, like, and it didn't all these, like, fake accounts on, in China, like, all of a sudden become created and they just took it and ran with it and, like, 
made made a made a made a mound out of a made a mountain out of a molehill, and now like Mulan in China is synonymous with uh, with with like the Chinese government or my I, I this is it's th- this has been a very hard story yeah, to follow um, and decipher yeah. what's real and what isn't. Well, but, okay, like, give me give me like one minute to do like bare bones history of Hong Kong, like literally in a minute, and then okay. I'll, like I'll say why this is interesting. So, you got this. You got this. Yeah. So in like in like 1898 or something like that, um, the the United Kingdom, Britain, leased Hong Kong from China, like they and they leased it for 100 years. So they they leased the entire island for 100 years, um. And it was returned to China in like 1998 or something like that, which is essentially the opening um, premise of Jackie Chan's first Rush Hour movie. Like, like Hong Kong is being returned to China, and so all this wonderful art is being returned to China. Um, and so, in that hundred years, China is a communist nation, but Hong Kong was part of the United Kingdom and it managed to develop its own currency and it maintained its own separate language, which was Cantonese, just Mandarin. And it also, um, like a lot of people in Hong Kong also now speak English because they were controlled by the British for so long. Um, and Hong Kong became a very like massive international like trading, like it's huge in terms of like international trade. And because it was controlled by the British it became a, like democ like democratic state. So in that hundred years, it just evolved very differently from China. So currently there are pro-democracy demonstrations going on in Hong Kong because China's trying to exert power, which makes this whole thing strange. So the, or, or like complicated. The, so then the, the original Mulan it, comes out it, and supports and says she's supporting the um the police in Hong Kong, which are following the instructions of the Chinese government. So they're following um, they're they're doing what the Chinese government is saying, and they're trying to like kind of control the protests more, and that got the wrath of everyone in Hong Kong. So everyone in Hong Kong is now trying to um, boycott the film. Boycott the film, yeah, yeah. And um, wasn't the original uh, demonstrations that are occurring in Hong Kong right now started because the government was going to like extradite? Or, or be allowed to extradite people from Hong Kong to China? Wasn't there something something along those lines that led to the protests initially, and they've since morphed I, into I pro-democracy I quite, demonstrations? I, I'm not quite sure. I, yeah. I, I'm not quite sure how, how that works. Um, I, I, I somehow missed how the whole thing got started. I just know it's been going yeah. on for like 12 or 13 weeks consecutively now. Um, yeah, it's so been going on for a while. I, I, it's a huge thing. I'm... I'm over, I'm fairly certain it started because I, it's whoever's like the quote unquote like governor of Hong Kong now um, said like wanted to pass a bill that would allow uh, the, the Chinese mainland to extradite citizens from Hong Kong to mainland China uh, with like very little, if any, sort of like rights or you know, like Miranda right sort of thing that uh, that the Hong like. As China has exerted its control over the Hong, over Hong Kong, the Hong Kong people have slowly lost, um, and that started the protests. Yeah. The um, whole the whole thing is just really messy and strange. I yeah. encourage listeners to go and, and do some research on this and see what's going on. Um, it's I, a, I mean, it's a big deal. I, it's affecting it's a, hundreds of millions of people. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
It, it's 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 a huge thing. Um, what I'll say is that me personally, I support the protesters in their pro democracy demonstrations. Like yeah. I'm I'm on the side with them because I think China is over overplaying their power right now. For sure, and yeah, from what I understand, that makes sense, more sense about the about uh, Mulan and uh, Crystal Yafi Liu. I think I think that's a is that how you say your name. Peter, you're the you're the uh, name expert. Crystal, Crystal, uh, Crystal Lee Crystal you Crystal Liu. Liu. Uh, she yeah, she like said she was supporting the police, but then mainland China created tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of fake social media accounts and like blew her comments out of like blew them out of the water and made it sound like she was like supporting mainland china as whole and being and like they they morphed her comments into something that they weren't granted what she said wasn't the best thing to say in the to begin with but yeah they took like what could be passed off as a potential gaffe or like trying to say say one thing while implying something else and just blew it into this like you know into into a very propaganda-esque message for main, mainland China, which is also in part why Hong Kong, the citizens of Hong Kong want to boycott Mulan and why uh, Liu has been very, um, has kept her nose to the ground. She skipped D23 uh, and the Mulan film as a whole right now is kind of in a flux uh, because they were absolutely gonna bank on mainland Ch or, or China and the Chinese people making a ton of money for this film. So. Uh, and going and seeing it, and right now they don't want to, so it might get. I, I would not be surprised if Mulan uh, was delayed um, a, at some point or another. It might not be, it might be fine, but I would not be surprised if it got delayed because um, they're they were at. I'm sure Disney was banking on China and Hong Kong going and seeing this film in droves and making a ton, you know, making the bulk of that money. Uh, for Disney, or maybe not the bulk, but a lot of money for Disney. Uh, anyway, well, I, I bet I bet, I bet Mulan still does very well, and I bet it still gets a mainland China release. Whether oh, yeah. it gets released in Hong Kong will be a little more questionable, but I, I'm sure it'll do fine in 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 mainland China. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll be fine. I they might like push it back by like six months and just kind of do the keep keep the pretend like we don't exist for a little while so that people forget about us and then come back. Uh, do the do the Morgan Freeman. <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, the movie's not due to be released until next year, right? Yeah, yeah, it's still a ways away, but uh, that yeah, might. So yeah, so I, I, I bet it's fine. I, I bet nothing changes. Yeah, that's fair. Um. Anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah, very quick little little comedic note here. Uh, Jay Z is going to acquire partial ownership of an NFL team. That I mean, that's cool. That's not like comedic. I guess it's it's just a cool little note. Um. I, could, I bet I bet that him having a seat at the NFL owners table now. I that, bet I bet that whatever team that is, Colin Kaepernick gets a tryout because Jay Z oh, yeah. has been very vocally supporting Kaepernick. Yeah. So I think that's a cool thing. I, Love me or hate me, I think that's a cool thing. No, I, yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great thing. And if you dislike it, <laughs> that, you're was wrong. For, that was for the listeners. Like, don't yeah. at me. I support Kaepernick. <laughs> yeah, and, and don't at me, but you're wrong if you disagree. Uh, you are objectively wrong. Uh, I could, I would I would love to be able to listen to that to those conversations between Jay Z and Jerry Jones. 
<laughs> or uh, or the the, the guy, the owner of the of let's Washington. move on from this before I start yeah. just cursing out NFL owners. Yeah, yeah. Let's envision that conversation with Dan Schneider. That would be great. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bond film has a new title, No Time to Die. It was revealed with uh, the iconic music, which I keep rewatching because even though it's only twenty three seconds long, it's great because the music is iconic and it's a great name and. I can't help but get hyped about the new Bond film. Um, the Hugo Awards were announced this past week. We'll revisit this here in a little bit. Um, uh, to, Peter will talk more about the Hugo Awards. Um, HBO Max landed Steven Stoderberg's new film, uh, which is called Let Them All Talk, and stars this little no-name actress, uh, uh, Meryl Strep. Is that... I think I made this joke once before, but... I think you did. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> and I think it was bad then, too. <laughs> I realized that as soon as I said it, I'm like, man, this sounds familiar in my brain. Um, yeah, Meryl Streep uh, is going to be in it, so you know that's going to be a big deal. Um, and let's see. Oh, uh, Disney announces a new original animated movie, uh, Ryan the Last Dragon, to be released in November 2020. And it stars Aquafina, so that's cool. Uh, I'm just reading that on the Google Doc. I had completely missed that um, uh, before, but that's awesome. I'm very that makes me very excited. Yeah, um, the concept art looks amazing. Which like Disney has been really solid about like their their most recent concept art for the animated films, looking very much like what the final film turns out. So if 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 they keep with that with that kind of strategy, like this should look terrific. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and I added one thing below that if you want to scroll down yeah. to the next page. Well, yeah, screw Bill and Ted. I that that trailer pissed me off. But um, yeah, Bill and Ted three wrapped up shooting like a few hours ago. So cool. If you think that's cool, cool. Um, I hated that first trailer, so I don't care. Um, Henry Golding. Uh, speaking of of uh, Crazy Rich Asians and with Aquafina, uh, Henry Golding is is in talks to play Snake Eyes in the upcoming GI Joe spinoff. Um, I actually kind of sort of liked the, uh, the previous GI Joe film. Um, don't at me. Um, it looked like they were trying to make themselves another fast and furious kind of stupid, mindless popcorn flick. Uh, so hopefully they do that here and Henry Golding needs to be in every film ever made, uh, because he is charming and charismatic and just a freaking hunk. Um, other, so, Okay. Uh, we got we got a couple more bits of news here to talk about, but first, uh, Peter, do you want to talk about the Hugo Awards? Yeah, yeah. So I'll talk about the Hugo do Awards it. real quick. Um, so the Hugo Awards are uh, an annual set of awards um, every year, but uh, instead of instead of them being for like movies or TV or something, they're they're for a genre. So it's it's the Hugo Awards are for science fiction, fantasy, mostly science fiction, um, and. Uh, the, the the Hugo Awards were announced um, this past week, uh, the winners, which is awesome. So um, for the category Best Dramatic Presentation Long Form, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won that, which made me so happy. Um, it beat uh, it beat Annihilation, which was from Alex Garland. It beat uh, Avengers Infinity War. It beat Black Panther. It beat A Quiet Place, and beat Sorry to Bother You. So it was it was a, it was a really heavy wow. category, and Spider Man <laughs> into Spider Verse yeah. won, wow. which made me so happy. Um, and then so then the other category that deals kind of with film, television, media stuff is a uh, Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form. 
Um, and uh, so long form, long form is usually reserved for uh, for like movies, um, generally speaking. And then short form is reserved for individual episodes of TV. That's essentially how they break it down. Um, short form is a little more interesting, though. So uh, for short form, um, the the episode that won was uh, the episode Janet's uh, from The Good Place. Um, and it beat out the episode uh, Abaddon's Gate from The Expanse, um, Demons of the Punjab from Doctor Who. It, uh, it beat another episode from The Good Place called Jeremy Baramy. And another Doctor Who episode called Rosa. And then uh, this is why short form is a little interesting because not only is it just TV show ep- TV show episodes, but it also beat out the um, concept album "Dirty Computer" by Janelle Monae. Um, so short form can include concept science fiction albums, uh, which I think is wonderful. So "Dirty Computer" by Janelle Monae is a uh, is an Afrofuturism concept album, and a couple years ago, yeah, um, it was really good. I actually watched yeah. that. It was it's awesome. Well, and really, it's been a, a, a yeah. couple years ago. Um, there was uh, an, an an album called uh, "Splendor and Misery" from the hip hop collaboration group uh, called Clipping, which is what Davi Diggs is a part of. That was nominated for for this same category, and that was nominated against like Doctor Who and Game of Thrones and The Expanse, and it's just like an outrageously stacked category. And then you're like, oh, cool, this little album from a hip hop collective. I like that. Um, but yeah, so for me, the big highlight was that Spider Man Into the Spider Verse won for best dramatic presentation, long form, beating some absolutely stacked films. So I think that's a really cool thing for that film, which continues to just like yeah. crush the awards yeah. like a year later. I, I think, I think this is going to be a film, uh, spider verse is something that like 10 years from now, we'll still be going back and remembering it and talking about it and, and viewing it as a hugely influential film. Um, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially given that it's attached to a mega property like Spider Man, um, but we're gonna tone it down here a little set for a second. And uh, quick highlight: we got we got two more bits of news to talk about, and then one really funny thing to talk about. Um, so the first thing, uh, I guess, this is more just highlighting the up- latest update in the uh, WGA, uh, the Writers Guild slash talent agencies drama. Um, the WGA withdrew its lawsuit uh, against the talent agencies out of the state and refiled it and refiled the lawsuit in federal court. Um, so they are continuing to escalate their disagreements with um, uh, with the talent agencies. Frankly, Peter, I think that this is going to be decided in the Supreme Court, which I think I, you're not wrong. Yeah, I don't see this changing in any way, shape, or form, and that I think I'm very worried that given where the Supreme Court stands right now, this will be that they're going to side with the agencies. Yep. and I think that would be like the shittiest outcome for this. And and it will be the to to get very cynical and very depressing. It will be the killing blow for guilds and labor unions in the United States which have seen their, their yeah. memberships decline over the last 50 to 60 years with one of the greatest shadow campaigns of all time from corporations to make the, to turn American people, the American people against themselves and against their own best interests and turn on labor unions. And Hollywood is partially to blame for this, uh, yeah. for this, this 
underground smear like i want to say underground because it's corporate and they have it's quite they, public <laughs> yeah but like you know they they turned the american public on labor unions with a a marketing campaign that people didn't necessarily realize was coming from like change they changed people's opinions without people realizing that their opinions were being changed by corporations uh I, it's a brilliant. It was a brilliant strategy, and it's worked to perfection. And I think it will come to a head when this this WGA talent agencies dilemma goes to the Supreme Court, and freaking Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch uh, are the defi- deciding votes that decide for in favor of the talent agencies and against the WGA, and it's going to be very bad. Um, and- and when that happens, I kind of foresee um, a lot of the industry doing kind of a doing doing kind of a max mass exodus from from the states. Yep. And I think I think uh, I think whenever that does happen, um, I, I see the Canadian market um, exploding um, yeah. in a good way, and I see the British market exploding in a good way. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a problem that, that I just see. I really, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound all depressed and cynical. I don't know that's exactly how I'm coming off, but in our, as as Republicans control all, you know, the courts at every level and most notably at the Supreme Court, they will uh, finish what corporations have wanted for since the 1950s uh, and, and decide make this huge decision against the against the labor unions in this in this case the wga um so very worried that that's where where we are heading um but right now we're still in the like who's who can escalate more um right now it's the wga um with with filing in federal court um the other bit of frustrating news, I swear we have some fun news here in a second, but uh, <laughs> we're getting to that part. Uh, the other bit of frustrating news, uh, Venice is set to premiere Nate Parker's new film, American Skin. For those that do not immediately recognize the name Nate Parker, uh, he was the director slash producer slash writer slash actor of uh, Bir- The Birth of a Nation. And when that film was in its uh, uh, get ramping up to be to go wide and its wide release, uh, people remind uh, we were reminded that Nate Parker was uh, accused and uh, went to court over and then acquitted through less than admirable means uh, of rape, um, and I think. I think it was that there were actually multiple people that accused him of rape. Uh, one of them took him I th- to court. I thought it was just one person, but I could be wrong about that. I do. I, I can't remember exactly. I do remember that this was before Me Too. Uh, he was uh, – he got out of the charge through a very uh, – through dubious means, like where all of a sudden just out of nowhere the accuser dropped the case like with very little – fanfare or explanation or uh i mean just all you know one day it was just gone there was no like you're gonna fail you're gonna lose it just disappeared and it was very shady um 
And I'm pretty sure it was that person who then re- was like, when this film was coming out, came forward again and said, hey, this happened. And the birth of a nation tanked, um, as it should have. And now Nate Parker's back three years later, making this film American Skin. It, it also doesn't help that uh, um, uh, American Skin is being financed by Mark Berg and Tarek Ben Amar, who was a board member of the Weinstein Company. So we're really, we're really just going, going with some really classy dudes here helping to finance American Skin. And Venice is distributing or is going to play it at their festival and people are pissed as they should be hopefully they cancel it uh but we will see um so okay last little bit of news last well actually wait wait we'll do the we'll do the box office recap because we have to remind ourselves that angel has fallen was in first place with 21 and a quarter million dollars which is under what it did previously when um uh, London has fallen, which debuted with 30 mil. Uh, but still, it's like, come on, people. There are other things, better things to watch uh, than Angel has fallen. Uh, its second place was Good Boys with 11 and three quarters of, mil- uh, of a million bucks. Uh, third place was Overcomer, a religious film from Sony that came in at 8.2 mil. Uh, fourth place was The Lion King, again with 8.15 mil um oh that was a bit of news that i forgot to mention before um this past week disney or not this past week but a couple weeks ago disney became the first studio ever to have five pictures cross a billion dollars in a single year uh with endgame captain marvel aladdin the lion king made which made that and uh was I well actually Toy Story Four might have been the fifth, but whatever between the Lion King and Toy Story Four, uh, plus Aladdin, Captain Marvel, and Avengers Endgame, and they will have another two probably before the year's out with uh, Frozen Two and uh, the new Star Wars film uh, with Episode Nine. Uh, just a question of whether well, I guess it doesn't matter if Episode Nine crosses a billion in twenty twenty, it would still be retroacted to 2019 so they will have yeah it, it, yeah it still counts as the 2019 film so yeah. even if it waits till like february to happen it'll still count as this as 2019 yeah so lion king added another 8.15 mil to its uh total it's up to like 150 mil plus or not um uh 1.5 billion uh plus uh worldwide uh and then hobbs and shaw was in fifth place with 8.14 million dollars um finally the other newcomer of this weekend was uh a a horror slash slasher uh suspense film called ready or not which i actually kind of want to see at some it point it looks funny yeah it looks yeah it looks funny and and it looks outrageous and it looks kind of entertaining um it, it debuted with 7.6 mil um but yes so okay last bit of news and this is fun this is fun stuff uh <laughs> I've been waiting to talk about this this whole time. Uh, Robert De Niro's uh, production company filed a $6 million suit against the next employee. Uh, This story is wild. Uh, Because what this ex-employee, who was the... Peter, correct me if I'm wrong. They were were like the COO or the CTO 
something i cannot remember they were they were like a high up member of the production company like on the board or something and they apparently like they spent hours and hours like hundreds of hours watching netflix shows uh shows on netflix like binge watching netflix shows during work hours i think one of the things was they they watched like 52 hours of friends in three days i think or which is absurd absurd there's there's you know there's 72 hours in three days and 52 of them they spent watching friends (laughs) and they racked up like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of uber rides that they expensed to the company it's just it's a you should you as listener if you've made it this far in this podcast first of all thank you for listening second of all do yourself a favor you will you will be entertained by this story google it read about it laugh laugh at at Robert De Niro's production company for taking this long to like recognize that something was <laughs> something was up and now they're like trying to save face and recoup the the money that they lost at the hands of this employee uh and also kudos to this employee for going out like a boss because they finally got fired over all of this and they went out and they were like i didn't do it (laughs) like like they were they were handed like here here are the records that show that you watch 52 hours of friends in three days and their response i didn't do it Wait, sometimes ineptitude is so vast, you just have to tip your cap. (laughs) So I I was actually watching Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse last night, and that reminds me of, like, the moment when he's, like, with the school security guard, and the guy's like, I know you snuck out, it's not Morales, and then he has, like, the internal thought bubble, and he's like, play dumb. Who's Morales? And it's internal thought bubble. Not that dumb. (laughs) (laughs) So we know you watch 55 Hours of Friends. I totally did not do that. (laughs) <laughs> what <laughs> we know you did we have proof that you did yeah it's so great it's so great uh read about it laugh about it and thank us later um but yeah that's uh that's about all i got peter you you want you want to add anything to the uh the huge amount of news that uh we kind of flew through was there anything that you wanted to really highlight or or anything uh no i i, th- I think we about covered it um like we, we stopped at the stories that kind of needed to like I'll, I'll reiterate that the concept art for Ray and the Last Dragon looks really cool, um, and I'll reiterate that it stars Aquafina, so you yeah. should watch it for that reason alone. She she's though. one of the two co leads. Um, I cannot remember the other person's name. It's uh, Cassandra something is the name coming to my head, but yeah. So it's I, I'm excited about that. The Hugo Awards for Spider Verse are a cool thing. Um, be wary of Disney taking over everything. Support yeah. Hong Kong. There you go. Um, So, yeah, that's uh, well said, Peter. We'll end it there. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Uh, Do stay tuned for our very special episode uh, where we interview Diane Paragas, uh, the director of Yellow Rose. uh, That will be out this week. We are off next week. We will be back in two weeks. Uh, I have absolutely no idea what film comes out the 6th. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's It. It comes out the 6th, so we will be talking about It Chapter 2. Uh, we might as well talk about It Chapter 1 as well, because it's great, and <laughs> it is it is great. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace out.